HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Cart Driver, Denver's home for wood-fired pizzas, fresh oysters, seasonal market plates, cocktails, and conversation. This week on Meet and 3, meet four of our HRN Hall of Fame inductees. These prolific individuals are writers who have changed the way we talk about food. We'll take a look at the journeys that shaped their literary voices. I was heading off into the unknown to spend my junior year of college in Paris. We'll explore the culinary landscape they work within. You know, it was that whole self-made American idea that you, you can just kind of create a new world from scratch, including a new way of eating. And look at the transformative effect that their work has on what we eat and where it comes from. It gets down to management deciding that humane handling is important. You've got to have management that cares. And if management doesn't care, then you're going to have a bunch of bad stuff. You can learn more about HRN's 10th Anniversary Hall of Fame at heritageradionetwork.org slash hall of fame. And don't forget to subscribe to Meet and 3 wherever you listen to podcasts. That's M-E-A-T plus sign T-H-R-E-E. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, guys, it's August 6th, 2019. I'm Jimmy Carboni. I'm the host here on Beer Sessions Radio. It's heritageradionetwork.org. We have a special show today. It's always a special show, guys. Uh, This one, our buddy is AJ Kieran's from At 16 Ounce Canvas helped put together. We're going to talk about beer art and and beer label art. So, AJ, give us a little intro about what the show's about and uh, why you brought these cats together. Thanks. First... Jimmy, thanks so much for uh, having me here today. I'm really excited. Uh, the reason that we do it, it's a 16-ounce canvas, the art of craft beer. Uh, we try to feature the artists and designers who help bring your favorite beers and breweries to life. I think that uh, we started about three years ago with the focus on being, the idea was just kind of a crazy idea we had one night about branding and the idea that cans were really becoming the preferred kind of format for, for beers. You know, We were seeing a lot of it with some of the early folks of like Tired Hands and Treehouse were just putting stickers on. And from there, you really kind of see where we are today. And so it's just been really an exciting story to hear. Some folks, you know, are, are full-time staff, some are freelance. And we're really kind of, we're just trying to introduce people to, to everyone's story and, and where they come from. Unless so. you brought two designers in. So let's, the, the two designers, just give a quick intro. So we have uh, Dana Lev Birch, who does work with uh, Barrier Brewing Company, Yo. as well as Alewife. He's a double hitter. And then we have Earl Holloway, who does work with KCBC right here in Brooklyn. Hey, great. And uh, our good friend Josh Bernstein, who's a, a beer writer. Many of you know him. Uh, as, Josh, you've been writing about beer, beer art, beer cans. Tell us why and, and what you've been covering. Yeah, I think beer can art really presents this really unique opportunity for people. We're in this era right now where we don't hold our albums anymore, that we don't have the sort of tactile connection or substances, but I think beer cans really provide this new canvas for people to really embrace. And so you get to see, you get to bring the beer into your body and take in the art with your eyes. And so it really provides this really unique opportunity to combine two distinct disciplines together that's great so earl um and, and dan i've known you for years you did a bunch of jimmy's number 43 stuff sure did. Yeah, actually the beer sessions radio logo was the, designed by dan um yep. Yep. How, how did it evolve for you i know you were doing like, beer bar art you work with fool's gold and those guys tell us some of the 
the the beer accounts you've worked with in the past, leading up to beer cans. Yeah, um, I, 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 well, I, I worked at, at Union Beer Distributors as a designer uh, for about three years, and then I left there and I had to make a living. So I, I you know, luckily had a lot of clients that I really liked through through uh, through Union, and I did stuff for Fourth Ave. For you, yeah, Fourth Avenue Pub, yeah, Fourth Ave Pub, uh, and then all of uh, Patrick Doniger's bars, uh, Alewife, uh, Fool's the, Gold, the, the, the Jeffrey, Fool's Gold, the Jeffrey. Um, so, and you're, you you yeah. take more of an illustration approach, don't you? Oh, oh of course, yes. Uh, I I went to school for illustration, so illustration is definitely definitely my strong suit. But you know, I I also like to to design typography and design in general so no <laughs> do, you th- do you think these cans offer a new sort of like um artistic avenue for people coming out of art school and i mean some of the uh oh yeah pathways have been taken away and so but art like the beer can art with like new cans coming out every single week provides sort of like this endless stream of potential work oh definitely yeah i i, I mean it, it it's totally uh like what you said with, with the the album art because that's it's what i was into like I, I i loved having like an album uh and seeing the artwork and yeah, this this is the next avenue. Like it's. And Earl, tell us your background a little bit. We're going to talk a lot. We have like almost an hour show coming. So yeah, many sure. Words. Um, so, <laughs> um, I guess. Wordsmith. Yeah, the the way it started for me was I just kind of um, I studied illustration as as Daniel did, um, and then I kind of like returned to an old love, which is basically, uh, you know, comic book orient comic book oriented illustrative work. Which is kind of the kind of the same thing, but like a little bit more on the cartooning vein. Um, produced my own independent comics. Uh, I had a full daytime job. I was wholly committed to just making my own work for myself and people that were into what I was doing. And then, poof! Um, I didn't rub the bottle, but a genie came out and asked me if they if I wanted to work for KCBC to produce all their labels and, and I said yeah you brought just you're gonna, you're gonna tell us because yeah. you brought KCBC cans yeah. uh, what beer is that sure, and what's on is, the the uh, yeah. label uh, so this is Il Purgatorio it's an Italian style Pilsner uh, it's very very drinkable especially for the summer um, I would say the number one thing that you need to know about this label is that Gamork from the never-ending story is referenced right in the center with sort of a smoldering throat <laughs> um yeah, it's pretty and you cool. got you got to look at the can. We're not going to talk <laughs> yeah. about it too much, but so AJ, tell us, sixteen ounce canvas, beer art. You you've been obsessed with this. Yeah, it's well. There, I mean, originally it was an idea that I had, and I didn't think, to be honest, I, I didn't think we'd be this far. I, I had you know a few, you know, it was a few drinks probably in. Had a you know, I bounced around the idea with some friends. They said I would listen to that. I would listen to that, and I spent months researching because about three years ago you couldn't pick up a can and say labels by you know dan or by joe or whatever and now the breweries have really seen the importance of that and they'll put their hashtag or their their instagram on the cans which is a nice makes my job a lot easier but so I, you know I, we we early on we called it our first 12 pack you know we're playing off the beer puns and and at that point i thought okay that was it we did it and then pe- i started getting a lot of messages hey what about this person that person <laughs> and now we've interviewed you know about 130 artists and over 12 countries and probably about, you know, if you count some of the artists, probably over 150 breweries. And it's really nice because there's that chase to have an original look. But people's, like, people's hard work, their hustle, the story that got them to that, you know. One of the great stories, uh, David Paul Seymour, who does burial cans, he used to be an architect. And he spent, you know, years being an architect doing gig posters and band stuff on the side. And went through a few variations you know, of jobs, he got laid off, and his wife was like, "Why do you keep finding, you know, going back to these jobs you hate when you love doing this?" And now he's probably one of the most popular, you know, beer artists. And he, does, you know, and so it's really nice just to see those stories that are bigger than art about just kind of, you know, everyone here in the room does something that they love. It's bigger than themselves, you know, and they put their heart into it. And it's not always easy, you know. It's about, you know, look at Josh's, you know, he's on his what your sixth book, your seventh book. Yeah, number five. Good heavens. Oh, sorry. It's well, yeah. okay. <laughs> right. It yeah. just seems like six or seven. Like, right. And he's, nobody cares anymore. Like, right. Another and book? Didn't you do one? <laughs> right. We, and we first met at uh, at the Craft Brewers Conference in, in Nashville, and he was, I mean, he was literally a man on the street, you know, like promoting his book and being out there. And so it just it's just inspiring 
when you when you see everyone's stories that it's it's bigger than art. You know, I can't really draw very well and what have you, but I just see the I see it as a bigger story, which has been inspiring to me in a lot of ways. Great, and Dan, you you introduced me a while ago to AJ by email. Oh yeah, yeah. Told me about sixteen ounce canvas. So just give me a little more some backstory how you met him and. Uh, well, it, it was um, AJ had had Earl on the show, and Earl recommended me onto AJ's show, and so you know, circular thing. I just uh, thought thought, well, mm-hmm. he should know should uh, be on this show. So yeah, and tell, so so uh, you mentioned some some artists and labels like Barrio. You guys tell me about some other artists who are making great labels and some of the, the breweries that, that are making labels we should check out. I, mean, I know, like, locally, we had Greenpoint a few years ago when we did the show. We liked Greenpoint right. Beer and Ales. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Who, who do you guys like now? Uh, Pipeworks is always great to me. Mm-hmm. They always have really unique, compelling art. And Half Acre, too, in Chicago always has really, yeah. really yeah. fun stuff. Yeah, Finney, that's Finney's Jones for Half Acre. And then Pipeworks is really cool. And that's weird because, like, for me, when I see the beer cans, like I don't really see them much now as much beer. I see them as the artists. But yeah, Pipeworks is great because they do a collaborative. They probably have like four to six different artists that do their works. But then you have Mike Lawrence at, at Tired Hands. You know, I have uh, Carl Grandin who does Omnipolio. Uh, Kevin Simo with uh, Trillium. Browery West. Yeah, right. Browery West is a collaborative. They have different artists all over the place. They have a lot of like street artists like Nikos and some really cool folks who do some really unique stuff but it's not only art like I really I never thought that topography like you were saying you know Dan like you like to do topography I never thought that was really I kind of early on I didn't do a lot of uh, type folks who came on but when you realize that people are making their own font face and the whole alphabet and they're really you know uh, there's a brewery outside of Philly called Neshaminy Creek uh, Brewing Company and J.P. Flexner he, he made an entire you know, A through Z to fit, to be unique to them. And so people are doing I, things. I did you, the same thing for Alewife as well. Right. You don't realize it. And it's really, it's these little intricate details that kind of, for a sports fan, right, you say they don't show up on the scorecard and they're really kind of cool to find out. We did a, uh, Dan and I did a work party in the middle of the winter, like rowing, low, you know, running low on vitamins and like no sunlight or whatever. And he's like, I gotta, I gotta get out of my apartment. I gotta come over. And I'm like, yeah, you should. And then I saw what he had to do for the day and it was all... It was all typography, like uh, literally hand making a, a, a single font for potentially a beer that was not going to be replicated. It I, was I just a one shot. Do, do you remember what it was? I have no I idea. Okay. No, no, that's no. There's fine. too many. There's too many. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's very true. Um, yeah. So I saw that and I was like, oh man, like, you know, just what, eight hours worth of work or something like that for, you know, for a one shot for the font on a one shot. Yeah. Which he also does the illustration for, and the copy, and the fine touches, and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, Josh, yeah. for me, cans are new. You were one of the first guys. I mean, in addition to your writing, I know you've always hosted some some events, and especially mm-hmm. around New York City, you were one of the first guys to do a can jam. Yeah, yeah. The can jam was something we started over at Three's Brewing, maybe about uh, three plus years ago, and complete IPA. Uh, I think my third book. I'm losing track now. Came out so the whole idea. You. You of- <laughs> well, the whole the whole idea homebrew was that world. that was a good one. Yeah, I like the, homebrew world. The whole idea was that there's all these cans out there that are sort of limited edition. They're hard to get. So instead of having people wait in line, why not bring everybody together in one place all together where you can't take these beers home, but you have to have them on premise on site and share them with people too. And I mean, what what really struck me about it too is that it was all the enjoyment factor too, but people were taking pictures of these cans nonstop. And so you'd mm. watch these giant pyramids of cans <laughs> slowly grow over the course of a day as everybody got one can after the next. And it was really this, you know, very heartening thing to me that it was a bring people together and be there also sort of, um, cherishing the art just as much as they were cherishing the liquid. All right. See you Juan. That's Juan from bar <laughs> 180, 177. It's a, couple of shows we're doing but yeah the cans and it's so it is a great platform for art i mean you're right you mentioned albums and records that was my thought coming over today i was like wow albums used to be something you'd collect partly because of the art and was there anything when albums ended and before cans was there anything else that you guys worked on that that was similar um yeah uh to to speak to joshua's point like on the opener, um, I feel like this this door sort of closed on uh, freelance illustration for print. 
um, yeah. or, or online even. Um, the idea of like a magazine or a newspaper hiring you, that's how I started. Uh, one of my first jobs was uh, with Stephen Heller in the New York Times Book Review. Kind of a big deal for me. I got the cover, I got some inside illustration, and then uh, maybe it was because I wasn't very good at the time, or 9-11 happened, but I'm really sure. Uh, the door kind of closed. Um, and it went from me being able to sort of make it on freelance illustration, not a lot of money, but I made it for the first couple of years out of school, and then the door closed. And that's kind of when I went underground artistically, where I was just doing stuff for myself and everybody that was... Uh, that knew who who I was and what I was doing, um, and the the I don't want to like get too crazy about it, but like the for me like a, a rebirth is like definitely working on um, this gigantic canvas that is on a beer can. I know it's small, but it's also it your, your hand. But like you know, but your audience is greater too in a sense too. That would people that would not typically maybe pick up your art. Yeah, they would, they would not go yeah. to a bookstore, underground comic shop, and like pick up whatever you did, yeah. and For, or or buy an illustrated, or yeah. buy a poster of something you've done, but they'll pick up the can. Yeah. For example, I'm not blowing smoke up my butt or anything like that, but like uh, the middle of last year, somebody from the uh, New York Knicks like approached me to do a like a campaign for them, like a social media campaign, and that would not have happened had I not had this platform of uh, label art to rely on. Um, as a as a form of advertisement like it's you know yeah I I and you're so busy with that you uh, you turned it down right Earl but you know AJ you know you I had to turn it down it was <laughs> yeah. way too much work so you're, we you're get documenting into it, but, yeah. this this shift um, yeah because yeah earlier it was really the idea that we hope that you hope that the beer tastes as good as the can looks and I think early on that was really kind of the premise like I went to I went to business school for, for, for marketing, and so I really saw that people were, and then the social media explosion was that people were just taking pictures of these labels, mm-hmm. and you hoped that it tasted good, but, you know, <laughs> but one of the things I do, which people think is weird, if I haven't had the beer, and I'm interviewing somebody, and, they want, and if you're listening and you want to send me more beer, that's a good idea, but we don't get as much beer, but when we do, I'll wait till after the episode records, because... I don't want to think, oh, this beer tastes terrible. I relate that to Dan or I relate that to Joe. <laughs> and so, like, I think it's a sensory thing. And I don't know if that just, but that's, that's really how I try to present it. Well, d- definitely, I would say for beer, I mean, the evolution of how it's marketed. It used to be bottles. You know, a bottle was a label, something you, you could sell. But then so many photos were of, like, Bospor or a glass of beer. That's really not sexy, no. you know? Yeah, but I mean, like we we talk about the demise of bottles. Of bottles still outsell cans, like by a huge margin across the board. I mean, it's not. I mean, within this craft beer sector, definitely that cans labels are super important, especially as limited edition one-off beers. But I mean, bottles and like like static labels are still king out there in the marketplace. I mean, this is still pretty yeah, small. Yeah, they're still middle America. So it's yeah. it's funny you mentioned that because when I first started working for KCBC, they were like, "Oh, do you want to design a, a a label?" And I was like. Is, is that a thing? And they're they're like, yeah, it's a thing. So I thought when they first approached me, I thought they wanted something that was just permanent. I was under the impression that they wanted like Anchor Steam Beer, the the Anchor Forever mm-hmm. with like a you know barnacles on it, and they didn't want that. So it was actually like a learning curve for me for a week or two. I was trying to make something that was just going to be done once. Yeah, I mean, as yeah. little as five or six years ago, I mean, there was basically your core beers and the seasonal that came out every three months, and I was like, so few opportunities for artists to break in and breweries hadn't reached a sort of accelerated fever pitch of release and opening and desire to stand out in this visual marketplace. And I mean, all these things kind of came together to really give artists this new, this new avenue for making a living, which is not hard to make an artistic living in this day and age. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's go back to when, I know when Brooklyn Brewery was founded many years ago, they hired a, a noted, designer to make that Milton logo. Glazer Milton Glazer yeah so how, how has that changed I mean think think back to that I mean was how many opportunities were, were there for something like that I don't know you I'm just trying to stir the pot here <laughs> uh, 
next to nothing. I, yeah, I, William I, Glazer. I, he so he also did what the I Heart New York. Yes. Yeah. Campaign. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's so it's pretty. He does some iconic things, but that Brooklyn Brewery le, logo stayed the same for a long time. Well, that was that was a game. Yeah. yeah. That was a yeah. game. Like anything, any branding, the Marlboro Man, like you know, Coke, things like that. Nothing really changed. I mean, that was you create a. You create a distinct branding opportunity, then that's how you identified yourself across the marketplace across the world. Yeah. AJ, are, are people and collecting cans now just for the art and not to drink? I th- what are you asking I th- AJ for? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. these guys. Yeah, these guys. I've seen that. I've seen people. I get messages all the time of their collections in their you know their garage, and they'll build shelves, and they have this whole wall. There's a you know, woman I follow, uh, Chelsea. She used the hashtag Label Love out of Pittsburgh, and she makes. She makes these awesome, uh, like framed artworks that are just all the cans inside, and yeah, it's wonderful. I mean, they're it's full really, cans or empty. I think they're empty. She, uh, she's a, she's a beer connoisseur, so Why I don't think she. First? Yeah, I think yeah. that'd be really heavy against the wall. That would be I hope, very sad. I hope they were washed out. Yeah, that's exactly how I think about it too. We have this terrible story. Years ago, my old roommate. This is back in the story, like two thousand and one. He collected all the wine bottles that were empty, like stack them up and put them on top of on top of the shelves oh, until. No. Until, you know, we're like, why are all these roaches coming? And then <laughs> we turned on the light, so it was like your floor moved, like a black carpet shifted to reveal all the white linoleum. We're just like, this is not right. Then we looked on top, and he never washed out the wine bottles. Oh. And, and so like the wine top. bottles were basically, they were the Roach Motel. That's a lot of food. It's yeah. a lot of food in those bottles. So, AJ, what, is, what are some questions when you had Earl and, and, and uh, Dan on your show? What are questions that you ask the artists on so, a 16 ounce canvas. So we have about, I have like a 10 question consistently that we ask. They're more like a framework or when artists are afraid to come on, they get worried they're going to make it feel sound silly or what have you. And so we kind of send them ahead of time. But we like to ask kind of like what the, from a project management standpoint, I like to ask like what the, how much time do you have? So from when the idea comes or the brief comes to when that actually is going to come off the canning line. And it, and it varies. It's really interesting. Some folks, some breweries give a month, some give a week, and artists will also give that crazy story of, I had to do a label in like three days. So what about for you guys? Time. <laughs> Time. Yeah. You want to go first? Or? I, I, you go ahead. Okay. Um, yeah. So uh, it really kind of depends. Um, I, I will say, I want to preface what I'm about to say by being very excited that KCBC is starting to do more Pilsners and Lagers because that just means more time. Ultimately, it just means more time. Um, when it was really also more pilsners, more pilsners, yeah, for us to drink for sure. Um, and then you know, uh, with a with a young oh, with a beer that just has to stay in the tank less uh, less amount of time, the turnaround's just going to be drastically reduced. Um, so it could range anywhere from for a lager, I might have uh, develop development production time, no joke, probably a month. Um, but for for bigger beers like IPAs, um, not that much at all. Uh, a week, uh, two weeks sometimes, usually a week. Um, it just really kind of depends on workload, you know. And how long does it take you to kind of create this? From from the brewery being like, I've got this IPA that's slightly different from the other IPA. From from okay, so uh, I have a I have the luxury of having one of the brewers that I work with, a dude named Zach Kenny, is um, like a like a post um ad guy yep. um so he and i can sort of like talk shorthand to get something under like under production really really quickly um uh so that really helps um to to expedite the the process um but from sketch approval to finish about three days mm-hmm. um unless it's like oh, a little bit more simplified and and that really does depend on the level of complexity of the illustration, which again is really interesting because it's, this didn't exist years years ago. Like I, it it literally comes down to the illustrative need of the can. So, for example, one of the one of the can things we work on all the time is a, a session IPA, uh, the Penguin series. So they they kind of go through this universe. So the first one was like really complicated and kind of hard and then the second one the same deal but then the last one i just did which is number four is actually really simple because it's a a riff on a a jim gaffigan joke where he you know he goes he goes on to tell you about how he doesn't care about craft beer like in a joking way like i don't care about i don't care about how do you represent that graphically well he said it's like uh so he says 
in his article, he says, I don't really care about what, you know, it's just like, I just want a beer. I don't care about your hand-drawn illustration. Who gives a shit? Like, I just want to, you know, it's Penguin versus Cactus. Whatever. I don't care. So then we just, we took Penguin versus Cactus and made it a label. So that, that just happened like a couple of days ago. Good. So yeah, Dan, you know, with Barrier, I, I love those early labels that you did. Oh, yeah. Tell us one of your favorites and a little bit of backstory. Um, I mean, still one of my favorites is the very first label I did was, uh, and that was Axla. And, um, uh, like I mean, that, that, it, it, took, it took a lot of pushback too. AJ loves that one. And oh, a fish guy. It, it's it's a fish reference, which I, I wish I liked them because we do a ton of fish references in our labels, but I, I I just can't get into it. But despite that, I love the label. And um, actually, we we have so uh, another uh, fish reference coming out soon. Um, Hood is coming out, so you can feel good about Hood. Axela and yeah. I can't see the labels because we're on air and I don't know the fish references. Thank you guys. <laughs> yeah. Axela is like a very aggressive like That's fish with a pH. Yeah. 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 Thank you. It's not like a it's almost like a very heavy it's almost like a metal song. It's just like So guys yeah. who yeah. like fish also like craft beer. Yeah. So I guess the question is too with a lot of these I know, I know Barrier does. Yeah. So I was, you know, I was gonna say with a lot of these beers too, it feels like you know the language and the beer name drives the label more so than the beer style. Or I guess how do you see sort of the name that people come up with like working in tandem with the style to create inspiration for the art? Um it really I guess it's a great it kinda question. Yeah. Um so so I guess it kinda depends. Uh uh, the the idea of working with uh, three okay so uh, for K, for Kings County Brewery Collective for example we have three people that are individuals uh, who come from separate backgrounds who might have something very specific in mind that's like really interesting and it just drives the illustration um, and then there's other times where somebody says uh, Ninja Kitties and you're like okay what the hell is that and they have no ideas and then you just kind of you have the ability. For from your background or like referencing source material material or something like that to be able to come up with like a, a an image for this label um that could be successful or not i mean it really kind of depends on and then uh, in hand i have tell uh, us the beer you, second beer you have in hand okay so this is tell us uh, about that label. so this is a strap this is strap light um this is a rice lager that kcbc puts out uh it was called strap hanger initially but they've gone to strap light lime which is what we're drinking right now. And then they also have strap I taste, light. I can taste yeah. the lime right away. Yeah. Um, so it's like a subway scene. Um, it looks like you probably have Tony Clifton um, on the on the label here, but you also have like Pam Greer and then also an alien that has an I love New Blork or... And then th- those are the New things you, yeah. you, you input? Yeah. This... Um, no. There's like a, there's like a, there's like you a You mean level. they didn't ask for Tony Clifton? They did not ask for Tony Clifton. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> now, Earl, I no. like I, yeah. one of the things I love about KCBC labels is the foil. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, I think that what I've come to realize is like, that's definitely not cheap to do that level of, uh, you know, the, the foil you see on the boom box and the, you know, the, the level. Is that, when you're drawing that, do you, do you do that? Or do you have someone who decides that? I hey, don't do that. I want to be very clear. I are don't you, do that. Are you surprised? So you're surprised when it comes out like that? Sometimes, yeah, for sure. Cool. Usually so you're saying that, that, that like chromey <laughs> yeah, aluminum it's, foil. It's, um, so it's expensive to do. Let's that. talk about that. So, that's so, that's so from design to, yeah. to to actual production in hand, what's yeah. so unlike unlike Daniel, I have a secret weapon. Um, her name is Christy Borg. She was a packaging designer that was basically on the ground before I got to KCBC. They had been they had been canning uh, very very small amounts. Uh, for about two or three months before I came on. Um, so she is a graphic designer. She was a package packaging designer for KCBC before I got there. So she and I work in tandem, um, which is really nice because I would not be, I literally would not be able to do the scale of illustration that you see on a KCBC can if it was not for Christy Borg's packaging design. Um, because she is the person who handles the font. She is the person who puts packaging together. Yeah. Great. Hey, we're going to take a short break. We'll be back in a minute on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. This episode is brought to you by Cart Driver, Denver's home for wood-fired pizzas, fresh oysters, seasonal market plates, cocktails, and conversation. 
Tucked in a 640-square-foot shipping container space in the heart of Denver's Rhino neighborhood, Cart Driver is the perfect place to stop in for an Italian-style spritz, Prosecco on tap, and a wide variety of tinned fish. Open for lunch, dinner, community hour, and late night seven days a week, Cart Driver is here for you with fresh, domestically sourced ingredients and, above all, hospitality. Learn more at cart-driver.com. Hey, 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 welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Check us out. It's the summer membership drive, heritageradionetwork.org. It's painless. It's good. It supports the network. It's a big network, 35 shows, uh, 10th anniversary Hall of Fame. So uh, we got a great show put together by Thank You, AJ, at 16 Ounce Canvas, um, two great designers of beer labels. And Dan Birch, uh, tell us about your – my favorite barrier one was – what's the one with the teeth? That that's money, money IPA, and that, that's uh, that's Evan. And everyone knows that beer. To me, money IPA was the first really great mm-hmm. New York City, New York City area, yeah, uh, West Coast style craft IPA. Yeah, uh, like I, I did uh, actually. Daddy works before that, which is the the double version of that, and that that has our uh, our main sales rep now, uh, <laughs> Mike Discarfino. He, yeah. uh, Mike Discarfino, head of marketing now. Uh, that's him, and then on money was was Evan, the owner, but he didn't want his face on it, so that that's why we we have the cap over his eyes, and he's he's become like a character throughout uh, the series. Actually, yeah. I have one that's coming out soon, um, with oh, what's the collab? I, I well, it's coming out soon. It, it has him shocked about uh, hot prices, so. <laughs> but design what about the design so the, the money look I like the teeth thing that's yeah. what that's curious about like how you get this so you've kind of got your interesting illustrations on KCBC but the, the teeth and that money IPA look um, where did that come from Dan um, that that came like from a little that came gangster from, or that, that came from Evan like uh, they they said uh, he wanted uh, gold teeth and just like he, he wanted his tattoos. Like he just gotten uh, the 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 new uh, tattoos. Evan Klein, yeah, yeah Barry Klein, Brewing, yep. yep. And I was like, yeah, sure, definitely. So that's. And if you I go wanna, to Dan's, oh. is it your Behance page, right? Like you can see, like it's pretty. I mean, it's uh, he probably hasn't updated in a while, so but it's if you look at it, it's got all the early ones. You can see the photos he took, the early sketches what, he did. What's his website? Uh, if you go to, uh, it's Behance dot uh, net at uh, slash df. Birch, oh. I believe. And <laughs> it's really cool because you can Thank see... Thank you, that's really helpful. It's, it's been a while well, since I've updated. Well, Behance, at, at Daniel Birch on Instagram. Right. right. Behance is an artist website that they use, kind of like a Twitter, a Facebook thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I remember early on seeing that, and I, I always love the artist, excuse me, who show the behind-the-scenes stuff. I love early sketches where you can kind of see where it goes, and so Dan had the kind of these case studies of, you know, the axilla and about five or six different ones that he did early on, and so... It's just a testament to how busy he is. You can't update it. I think I always say if the artist's website is updated within the last 30 days, then they're not really uh, they're, they're not as busy as they could be. Right? <laughs> so I got a question because you know with Barrier started off doing the 16 ounce I think it was 16 ounce bottle, so it was like or yep. the, it was like 500 milliliter bottles. Yeah, so, five, off, so how did your design yeah. process shift from doing bottles of that size moving into cans? Great question. Um, well, I mean it was just more more space, so it was better. Things were better. Is more space always better? Because more space means more things to fill. And like you know, with limitations, creating within limitations I, is great, but uh, also creating within vast. I I, of space. I, I, I was I didn't know how it would go, but like the when we switched over, it was definitely more fun. And uh, like the, the, there was there was actually a, a collab that we did with uh, with Magnify in Jersey, which. This was like two years ago. H- had we done it uh, with with the full label, it would have looked like an explosion, and it would have looked like it was going on on the can. But I didn't have, you know, that that extra room, so that would have mod- that would have helped that label. Mm-hmm. So, so I guess for you guys, how important or how fun it is for you to put in Easter eggs into your design, like things that make you happy, <laughs> <laughs> things that maybe nobody else will get. I've- 
I, I would just go ahead and say that. Well, the he way, put Tony Clifton in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the way illustration works on these, I Alan feel and Tony like, Clifton from Two Boots Pizza. Yeah, exactly. So, what movie yeah. was that from? Uh, no one even know. knows. No. Tony <laughs> Clifton, Pam Greer. I don't know either. So you, I'm sorry, some Jimmy. of these. Oh, you're oh, wait, asking about a, Easter eggs. There's a razor blade hidden in Pam Greer. <laughs> no, wait, that was. Uh, See, but Josh is asking about Easter game. eggs and things. At uh, some point, does everyone get the reference? Some of you guys know the fish references. I mean, do you think? And AJ, how quirky do these have to be? Like, are you like are you hiding references that yeah. certain people get that make it more collectible? Well, no, if you talk to them, they'll, they'll get excited. Like, one guy would... Uh, I love talking pa- about my references. Patrick <laughs> Henze out of Philly, he, he does for Abomination Brewing. He always puts his daughter's initials in the artwork, so it's kind of a nod to his daughter. He's, like, you know, uh, a proud father. And then uh, J.P. Flexner out of Philly, I was mentioning before, he, he gave me a nod as an Easter egg in one of his most recent labels. He had a, a hop that was on the beach hanging out and did a slew of tattoos after the interview and he put the hashtag six ounce canvas on his arm and we talked about an album that we both were like Green Day's Kerplunk and so it was that with uh, the Green Day flower like the famous flower right next to each other and it just it was their official beer for the Van Warp tour and went out to market and then I saw it and I, I was like I was pretty dumbfounded that that never really happened before and so yeah some artists you can tell by their style if they're you know if they're Photorealism, it's it's probably a little more difficult, but when you get in some of these little more creative, you know, trippier kind of places that aren't real, you can kind of so do Josh, a lot of that, stuff. Josh, that's what you meant by Easter egg? Like a yeah, little just like gift? Hidden, just hidden little fun things yeah. that like either the, the the illustrator knows or it's a nod to a small little in joke that nobody else is going to get. Now, I mean, it's, wait, are we going to talk about the fact that Josh has his own has his own beer label, right? Uh, <laughs> Weekend at Bernstein's. At from, <laughs> we did that, yeah, for my uh, 40th birthday last year. I'm 41 uh, now, but yeah, uh, he's older for, than me. Woo, you're younger. Which yeah. which uh, you are, you're a spring chicken. Which brewery was that, or what? KCBC, yeah. I mean, I was like, I was like, I've known Tony Pete and Zach Sarah like homebrewer days, and so. They were all in the homebrew back then, so it was like, what brewery would actually be game for some dumb idea? I'm like, KCBC. <laughs> uh-huh. So I uh, talked to them, and it's basically like, you know what? We're going to do this illustration, this design on there, too. And it would be game just like running off, you know, like eight cases of beer, which is nothing. All they got to do is swap out the swap out the illustration, and all of a sudden you get a special branded beer. So we did a weekend at Bernstein's. So we rented a house <laughs> in the Rockaways, which is a beach community out in Queens. And then we did a... They may remember his weekend at Bernie's where the guy's dead and everybody oh. holds him up and it's like, and there's taking him around all these crazy sort of beach situations. So we had me in the middle as sort of like the dead Bernie, and then it was great. We had a fantastic time. We end up with a case of beer at the end of it too, and I'm like, what the heck am I gonna do with like a case more of the beer I've drank for three days straight? So we were moving. I didn't want to move with all this beer. So I just put it on Instagram, like, if anybody wants to come over and get this can of beer. And it was really kind of wild, because people were actually like, I'll come to your house and get a can of that <laughs> special beer that was only made one time. And yeah. it, I was just like, it's just the power of something that you can only get once, which I think also plays into, like, all this, why all these cans right now are so popular. It's just that these designs, these beers are oftentimes only one time only. So the, it can yeah, be the same off. beer. Yeah. But you're changing the label, too. Yeah, you're changing the hopping, and you change the label, and you change the hopping. I mean, this is the uh, strap light. Yeah, or yeah, the, strap, yeah, strap light lime. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like strap hanger, but with a twist. It's just not as sugary. Um, it's not as like it doesn't it doesn't feel as like bready as their regular strap light, even though there's no bread in there. It's just rice. Um, Dan, this, we, we yeah, were talking about Easter eggs. You were about to say something. It, it's it's funny that you say. Uh, uh, Weekend at Bernstein's because the the reference I was gonna um, talk about was for our uh, Barriers label Lomax, which is another uh, uh, Weekend at Bernie's romance. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, this this is sort of sad. Um, Evan's dog. Um, had had just died, and so as 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 a tribute, I, I uh, the I dog that, laugh, the dog that that's uh, in, on that label uh, catching uh, frisbee is uh, is is Evan's dog that had just died. So that that was I uh, you know for the dogs. <laughs> Well, cheers to you yeah, guys, yeah. man. Yeah. AJ, I bet you can talk all night about this, but I, yeah, I could. Right. Uh, one of the ones, like I think that we were talking before about the one-offs. I think early on they weren't one-offs, because th- really our first episode we did was with uh, 
Dan Blakesley who did Hetty Topper, and I always say like if I was going to do a Mount Rushmore of beer labels, or you know, I I think the Hetty Topper would be one of the first, and. He's a traveling kind of like troubadour musician, and he was in Vermont doing, you know, working on his gig poster, which are really cool. And John from The Alchemist saw him at a coffee shop and said, hey, I really like your art and your style. Like, would you think about helping us do some late, like, and Hetty Topper, and he did Focal Banger, and Holy Cow. Like, those two beers, Hetty and Focal, were, were staples that never changed probably for over a decade. And so it's really kind of cool to see that. Uh, my, my friend Craig, uh, Craig Gilbert with New England Brewing Company, he did uh, you know, Gandhi Bot, which was, um, you know, actually got a lot, of, a lot of heat for that one over time. But like for a while, they were really, they, they didn't really change. And so it's really been interesting to see like how a variant, you, know, you add a new fruit or whatever, and it's like, okay, we need a new label, where early on it wasn't really like that. I bet it. I was going to say, I've got a Dan Blakely t shirt for my wife, grew up in uh, New Hampshire from. The Elvis Room, this yeah. old dive bar, which was really popular in Portsmouth, New Hampshire back in the day. Look, yeah, I'm that's how go... we connected. I, I saw he oh, posted yeah. something as a writer, and I was like, is that a Dan Blakesley? And he's like, oh, how did you realize? And I, it wasn't the focus of his, his post, but it was like... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Actually, Josh, how, how did you start uh, writing articles about beer art? I mean, were you asked to do that, no, or that eyes, was your interest? Your eyes just saucered. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's like, how do, you, how do you write about anything? You notice, you notice something, and you ask yourself why. I mean, it's just kind of like, why did art become popular? Why did we have this visual fascination in our culture? Why did social media take over in this sense, too? And, like, how important was it and how, you know, you just watch all these things start happening. Because can art was not, I mean, it was pretty basic and pretty mm-hmm. pretty simple. Bottle art was not exactly something. It was very, you go back to the 90s and 80s, I mean, it was terrible. I mean, it was like somebody got, like, an apple and then, like, had, like, some rudimentary cut-and-paste thing, and they were like, here's a beer label. It says border on it. Good to go. And you just watch things get more evolved and more intricate, and, I mean, as a beer style is, like, changed, the art changed, too. And, I mean, it's not just the beers that change. I mean, like, the driving of double IPAs, imperial IPAs, like, goes as all these things open up this whole new avenue of artistic expression that didn't exist previously. I, I, I mean, for, for me, like, I, I, I've... I saw the explosion of like beer art happen like while I was working at Union. Like this was like six, seven years ago now. Probably am. Yeah. And uh, I think Prairie was like the first one that was like doing really wild and crazy artwork. And I was like, I, I mean, b- besides like Hetty Topper and stuff, and and but th- those guys like, I'm really glad to see that they're still pumping out pretty cool stuff. Uh, but when they when they started out, like they were like. I can do that. You know, Josh, one of your articles, you mentioned that um, uh, Stillwater, Brian Strumke, said that, what did he say? That, that, that I have no idea, Jimmy. Okay. I write so many articles. <laughs> I read it. He basically <laughs> said that, Strumke said that a couple of his classics, Cellar and Stateside, were reinvigorated by the can art. Yeah, I mean, reinvigorating the art has changed a number of fortunes out there, too. And I mean, you don't want to drink with, you drink with your eyes first more than you, dr- that, that's what draws you in there. Mm-hmm. So you've got this great thing, and you want to. You're like, oh, what's that? I've not seen that before, and you want to grab onto it, and that's the too. And I mean, if you're not, if you're a brewery opening up in 2019 and not thinking about how important your art is, as much as your beer, then you're doing a disservice to your thing. You should rewrite your business plan. I mean, essentially, you have to think about how things look, what you're doing, your approach, all these things that were not really necessary. I mean, it's funny talking to folks at Threes a few years ago. I mean. When they started canning, they started canning after they opened up as a brewery. Then I was talking to Greg, the former brewmaster, and it was basically like, you know, people think we didn't really exist until we started going into cans. And that's this idea that you don't exist so you can hold it in your hand. Mm. That just being just yeah. being a beer in a pint glass, that's like a different yeah. shade of a different shade of yellow or brown or black does not matter at all. Mm. It's a can art that really separates. Like, I mean, let's be perfectly honest. A lot of these new IPAs things are not... They're not night and day difference out there, too. It's not like this 180 that's so different from lagers, the same sort of introduction that we had years ago. Nowadays, I mean, the art can really be the differentiation point that really sets yourself apart. Um, you guys, just other artists that inspire you, maybe they're not doing beer art and you wish they would, past and present. Ooh. I mean, that's a, that's you got to pick one each. That's so a loaded on. question, for We're sure. We're talking art, I and mean, then AJ I, has like 10. So. Yeah. No, no. Yeah, I know he's going to pick one. Uh, I, well, I mean, uh, James Jean, uh, th- that dude, if he did a beer label, 
Wow. Yeah. <laughs> what is what is what do you know him as? I, I he he did uh, the the comic book covers for Fable. Uh, he's most known for uh, really really beautiful uh, artwork. And I, actually, Earl went to school with him. I did go. To I, I, with him. I, I yeah. just found that yeah. out this week. I, I we were talking and very jealous. It just jealous. came out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then an artist that we from you. Uh, if I was going to go ahead and pick one automatically, like just. Like lizard brain, uh, I don't understand why Joe Jesco isn't making more beer label art. He has done one, and of course I can't remember the name of the brewery. That doesn't mean that I don't care about the beer. But what, what is he known as? as uh, an he's he's like a Joe, Joe Jesco is like a, a ridiculous like oil painting cover comic book master. Like he just um it. If if you want to name a Marvel comic book character, he's probably painted that person on a trading card or on a fully painted cover of a of a comic, or on like a wizard or like comics guide or something like that. Um, just really amazing. AJ, yeah. So on your site, I mean, do you go deeper into this? We we can learn more about artists that are doing labels and some of their backstories. Yeah. Early on, we would transcribe it to text, and that was a disaster. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, don't ask us what we think. Because the no, interview no, to text, it's, you think it's going to be a good idea. And I think for the, probably the first, like, 40 or 50 interviews, I, had, I, I would pay this service, and they would transcribe it to text, and all of our uhs and weird spatial <laughs> dialogue things it just would be painful. So I stopped doing that. But, what? yeah, and you're talking about artists I love. A lot of times now, I just follow artists I think are wonderful, and I hope that they do one beer-related project. Uh, there's a this great graffiti artist in Portland, Maine, Ryan Adams, mm. and he does this geometric like font that's just really unique and all this cool stuff. And I just hope that someday somebody would have him be an artist, and he finally did. And so I was like, hey, I saw you did one label one time. Would you be Would you be a guest? And that's really how I pr- approach it. I'm really kind of a lot of these artists. I just kind of follow along and hope that they're somebody picks up and sees that how their unique label, like unique design, could be a cool label. Mm. Are people? Are there like? Is there a business for scouting artists for labels? I mean, that could be. Mm. Yeah, I, that'd be an I, interesting I, way of like um, or agents. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I have gotten reached out to by a few breweries and a few folks to recommend some folks. Um, if anyone's listening and can figure out a way to monetize what I'm doing, let me know. But it's really just kind of a, I'm good. I'm a good networker, and I put people in touch with people, and you know we got some stuff that's you know, happening. And then going going back, so the the old way was you had one great label, one great logo. Yeah. Uh, for the designers, tell me one great beer label from years past that you liked uh, that you think is good design. That's a good question. Hmm. Um, I. I I mean, as design goes, I, I think my my strongest has been with Alewife, uh, which which I started just a year ago, and I think uh, that's a toss up. I really like Thousand Stars, and I really like uh, Electric Rhino. Like those those two turned out really nice, and, and like the the typography on, on both of them, and and yeah, everything's. And you're gonna do a lot more with Alewife too. Yeah, I, actually, I <laughs> I have two labels due this week uh, for them, as well as two labels due for Barrier. So uh, I have a very packed uh, week. Pat, uh, Dan's working on him right now. He's got his sketchbook out. Yeah, I, I haven't stopped sleeping. Drawing, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Earl? Uh, if we're talking about myself, I would say probably the Strap Hanger label was like a real kind of a breakout label for me, like really early on. Um, kind of encapsulating an entire culture of from left to right, like, it's all there kind of a thing. Um, but my first label artist would be Ralph Steadman for oh, Flying, Flying Dog. Dog. Oh, I yeah. feel like that was, like, a real moment where I was like, oh, wait, somebody's making this awesome art for a throwaway container. It's kind of... I hadn't thought of that before. Kind of I, crazy. I have so yeah, many yeah. of those original yeah. labels. That, that's totally what got me into uh, mm. craft beer, too. Ralph Steadman. I mean, but they probably the would have looked better on a can than on a bottle, right? Probably better on a can. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and say that right now. Yeah. yeah. Ralph yeah. Steadman, if you're listening, it would have been way better on a can. <laughs> yeah. I try to, yeah. I've reached out to his, like, his people and uh, Evan Cohen, who does Husband Guy. Those are two of my, like, bucket list. But I would say, um, here in New York, Evil Twin Brewing. If the mm-hmm. the cool thing, Martin Jusesson, 
you look at their labels and you think they're pretty simple, like the Big Jesus and Bikini Beer and all that stuff. But if you look at it, every, all of their art and design are based around a triangle. So everything they do is based around a triangle. They, he did the, the glasses at Torst, which is one of the best beer bars in the, in the world. And they break it down, you know, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Wrap it up, AJ. Right. Let's go. You, the, the label evil is, twin. What's the name of the evil twin? Martin Ducessin. Martin Ducessin. So he's great. And the, the glasses for Torst, they're based, the triangles are based on tiers of pours. So an eight ounce pour and a full pour. So there's the, the bottom of the triangle and the top of the triangle where, where they get a so full pour. So it's like pour. design and function. What are they, Danish? <laughs> uh, he's yeah yeah he Danish design guys you know yeah. design and function and then we have then we have uh, Daniel Endicott for Forest of Maine he went to school for fine art he's a watercolorist he's the owner brewer and design and that's pretty rare and then I just give a well, yeah, that's pretty rare yeah. yeah I give a little quick out to Sophie De Hawkins for Whiplash in Ireland and they do she does like collage style which is all done so by we him. gotta just go at six, 16 OZ canvas <laughs> yeah, on Instagram <laughs> and at Daniel Birch and at DF Birch DF Birch and you're what funny bones funny what? bones stuff and then Josh yeah. you gotta wrap it up the wordsmith Again, <laughs> beer can art. So like, oh, I, I would to, we used to have Grammy awards for for. Way I know I know art directors that won Grammys for, you know, yeah, record got, Matt Varnish. albums. Yeah, Matt Varnish. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'm what just about gonna, beer cans? I'm just going to reiterate. I mean, they're they're a new art form for the 21st century. The new art form for the way that we drink now. And I mean, yeah. you need to really think about. And again, if you're a business, think about your art, your design. I mean, that's what they're going to see first. With 8,000 odd breweries in the country. You're not going to be that different with like your pilsner that's slightly dry hop differently than the other brewery, but your art, your art can set you apart. So it really helps to really think about who you're working with, how to create a relationship that's going to extend from one beer to the next, to the next. Great. And last one, so Earl. So talking about that difference in pills, in Italian pills made by KCBC, why that label again? What is, um, that? is that Italian? Okay, so imagery? the only reason Hell. why the only reason the only thing that informed Il Purgatorio as an Italian style pilsner for a label is the fact that Zach Kinney, the one of the brewers, he spent some time in Italy. So we went back and forth. And it's on Il to, Purgatorio. Il, Il Purgatorio. So Italian pills, guys. This was an awesome show. Again, AJ, thank you so much for uh, putting oh, the show together. And Josh Bernstein. Danny Birch and Earl Hollowell. You guys really made the show. Do you want want my daughter? (laughs) And also my daughter sat silently in the corner eating pizza for the most part. Pizza, pizza. Thanks, Josh, um, the new book that's coming out this fall, which we will have you on again. Yeah, Drink Better Beer coming out mid-September with the Rosetta Stone for the modern beer moment. Nice. I've seen the cover and and hard cover. It looks really good. Great. Big shout out to our producer, Justin Kennedy, assistant producer, Aaliyah Pops, um, engineer, Matt Patterson. Thanks for joining me here on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni. We'll catch you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.